Hello and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, we're taking a little break from the news to talk with the Beacon's extremely talented photographer and our fine media director, Hunter D'Antuano, about his work, how he got here, and what he's hoping Santa brings him later this month to help him create even more of the incredible photos you see every week in the pages of the Flathead Beacon. And if you were really hoping for some hard news, don't worry. I'll still run through the biggest stories of the last seven days, like always, at the end of this episode. In the meantime, a quick reminder that this podcast and all the writing, photography, and design you see in the Flathead Beacon is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. For as little as $5 per month, members help us cover all of Northwest Montana and dig deep into the most important stories. To learn more about the club or join today, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. And it is my pleasure to be joined now in the Flathead Beacon Podcast Studios by our very fine media director, Hunter D'Antuano. Hunter, thank you so much for stopping by. Of course. Thank you, Andy. So I wanted to bring you here today so that we could chat a little bit about one of the things that really makes, in my opinion at least, the Flathead Beacon stand out, and that is the terrific design and photography that is part of every issue we produce and and all of the work that goes online, and that photography is almost exclusively uh, your work. But I'm, I'm curious, Hunter, how did you discover at some point or at, at some age that you both had an interest in shooting photography and, and that you had a knack for, for doing it fairly well? Uh, yeah, no, there was, a, there was a point where where I think it all started that I can pinpoint, and that was, oh, back when I was just a, a young whippersnapper. We hadn't even moved to Montana yet, my family and I, but uh, parents had gotten uh, my younger sister a digital camera for cr- Christmas, and um, I thought that was pretty cool, so it ended up being me that was borrowing it and uh making use of it and then that kind of uh rolled over into me pinching my pennies for a camera of my own as i got a little older and the ball kind of rolled from there did you have or i guess at what point did you start to get some formal education in the the art of photography or or was it mostly learning as you went and and uh, picking things up just by doing well, initially it was, uh, it's teaching yourself and picking up things as by doing, uh, through high school. I, uh, I started my own little, uh, nature photography business. It was called 46 parallel photography at the time named after the, uh, relative latitude of Hamilton, Montana, where I grew up. Uh, but then formal, uh, education in the subject started, uh, when I went to uh, journalism school at university of Montana in Missoula, the journalism program I thought was top-notch and learned a lot um, in the couple of years I was in the professional program. What are the kind of things in, in, in that program there? Because I, I think my colleagues and I, uh, uh, many of whom, although not myself included, went through that same journalism program and, and we all learned things about how to do the job on, on our end. What were some of the key takeaways you took from, from photojournalism and, and the, the things that you were taught in Missoula? Well, I think the most important aspect of the the program is it, it was very much a learning by doing sort of approach practical. And one of the biggest components of that 
that I was very grateful for was just to work on the student newspaper, the Montana Kaiman. That was a lot of just, okay, so here's your assignment. Go find something that works. And again, uh, sometimes trial by fire is uh, the best way to go, best way to walk the walk. What do you learn to start looking for when, and, and I know that every assignment you get is is going to be a little bit different, right? Whether it's shooting a, a portrait of just a person who is being featured or shooting some uh, breaking news event or, or say something like live sports or, or coming to illustrate an entirely different kind of story. But what are, when you get an assignment, I, I guess, can you walk through sort of the, the process in your head of how you start visualizing, okay, here's the story, here's where I've been sent, here's what I'm going to try and, and capture? Yeah, in my mind, I'm always uh, running uh, with that uh, preliminary uh, shot list. You know, you're always thinking, uh, you know, wide, medium, tight, you know, for, uh, you know, your, your wide shot uh, and your, your establishing shots and your detail shots, not only because um, it helps uh, convey the story visually, but it's also more pleasant uh, when it comes time to lay out and design the paper. And of course, always, no matter what you're shooting, you're always, you're always uh, praying or trying to create a good light. <laughs> for your subject because you know without light without without uh, photons your photography is uh well it's nothing <laughs> yeah. i, I want to go back to something you just said a second ago thinking about both what's going to make the best photo and what's going to fit with design where i guess can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how much of a factor is when you're thinking here's Here's the space I'm going to have. Here's a photo that, that maybe is going to be on the cover. Here's one that's going to be inside. Here's maybe one that'll just look good on the website. I mean, how much of, of that is part of the consideration as you go on assignment? You know, it's it's always something that's uh, kind of a, a background task in my mind. Of course, first and foremost, you're always trying to focus on on getting the best photograph, the best moment. But there are little things that you might think about. You're like, okay, well... You know, it never hurts to shoot a little wider, leave a little negative space because that leaves room for adjusting a crop or perhaps adding some text overlay to make a more compelling opening spread and things like that. And again, starting with like, okay, here's a wide shot that establishes sense of place, whether it's a, a drone shot over a forest or something like that. And then and then a detail shot busting out that my 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 absolute favorite lens these days that 100 millimeter macro lens just to show you know the tiniest details whether it's um you could, so you can see the texture on the pages of an old book or the or the, just the dirt in somebody's fingernails like these are very visceral details that convey you know our our collective humanity the the technology and you you just mentioned that uh, uh the the lens you're you're particularly fond of at the moment but I, I know there are some photographers, not to generalize, but maybe some older photographers who will say, give me my camera from 1995 and I can make anything look great with, with just that in my hands. And, and of course, there is always changing and evolving and improving technology with, uh, with cameras like with anything else. How much do you like to stay on top of uh, kind of both the latest trends and, and the latest technology that is available to, uh, to you to use as a tool? Well, well, again, and to like answer the the person who likes their old equipment, of course, the the tool that you work best best with is the one that you're most familiar with. Obviously, that's a big part of it. But you know, also as as technology evolves and things change, 
you know, you, you realize that in the collective photo universe, as you are swiping through Instagram, you're just like, wow, like some of these photos that people are getting just simply aren't possible without certain kinds of technology. So you want to stay abreast of that just to, I mean, for lack of a better word, sometimes to, to stay competitive, to stay relevant, you know, in that regard. But again, at the end of the day, the, you know, the, still the, the central ingredient is, um, is your uh, creativity and tenacity to create something visually exciting. Speaking of that creativity, I know you get uh, deservedly so sometimes a little a little extra space in our paper. You've done some uh, little photo collections uh, of of I think different work that has just uh, inspired you, and and we have our our opening shot uh, as well, which is a, a featured photograph of yours that that goes into the beacon every week. Where, I guess, how do those happen? Where, where do those ideas come from? And, and what are you looking for when you're looking for a, a standalone feature photo like that? Those photos, like whether it's those kind of photo essays or the opening shots, those standalone features, those are often much more artistically motivated than they are photojournalistically motivated, which is nice for me personally, because Maybe the rest of the, the picture is more, or, or the rest of the the paper and the pictures therein are more, uh, you know, uh, logically motivated. It's like, okay, we need a picture of this specific thing at this specific, specific place, so on and so forth. It's nice to kind of be able to let the, the, the right hemisphere of the brain have a run at it sometimes and just kind of focus on light, shapes, and color. And the, often those images are the ones that I find resonate with the most with viewers and with uh, our staff as well myself included sometimes those are are, are really cool and and i think you're right a, a a chance to see a little something different than uh than what we're used to seeing every week and and every other assignment are when you're i i think one of the things i know about you is that photography is not just something you do to pay the bills, but it, it's something that you you deeply enjoy and and get a chance to go out and do even occasionally in your in your free time. Are there things right now that are are particularly inspiring to you? What what are you? I guess what are you shooting? What are you working on away from work these days? I'm always working on. I find just when I like to go outside and take a hike or a walk, I just always have the camera, and you know the default is always going back to things in the natural world or just always trying to find photograph new things in, I don't know, ordinary things in an unusual way. Right now, my next personal project, well, I have two on the, on the back burner right now. One is once the, get some snowflakes again, I want to do some super macro photography of, of snowflakes so you can see this glassy, razor sharp, you know, crystals on the, every end of a snowflake. And another is, uh, hoping to um, do some advanced astrophotography. And uh, again, you were speaking about technology earlier. There's a piece of technology that I'm hoping that maybe Santa's generous this year and will uh, help provide me with. But essentially, it's a, it's a tracking mount that goes on a tripod and it moves in sync with the rotation of the Earth for sharper star pictures at various focal lengths. So it'll be a little bit be a little bit of math and calculations involved uh not my strong suit but i'm confident i can can work it out so hopefully santa comes through for you those would be uh would be cool photos to get to see they would yeah 
Hunter, thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to do this. Thanks for all the uh, all the great work you've done to make our stories look good. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. There we shall. Thank you, Andy. You can see Hunter's work every week in the Flathead Beacon in our quarterly Flathead Living magazine, and you can browse a huge archive of his work at flatheadbeacon.com/galleries. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, December 1st. The worst month since the start of the coronavirus pandemic so far came to a close on Monday. 3,570 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in Flathead County in November, nearly double the total from March through October, and an average of 119 new cases a day. The deaths of 12 Flathead County residents were reported between November 19th and 25th, and the County Health Department reported 39 people were hospitalized on November 30th, the highest total since the pandemic began. Despite the disturbing trends, Flathead County officials have maintained the status quo, voting down all proposed restrictions and even endorsing non-compliance with a statewide mask directive, and last Friday, that repeated inaction led to the resignation of the county's top health official. Tamalee St. James Robinson, a 30-year veteran of public health and the former chair of the Flathead City County Board of Health, was named interim health officer in July, while the county searched for a new permanent health officer, an effort that has thus far been fruitless. St. James Robinson went to the Board of Health with three different proposals to limit the size of permissible public gatherings, but was rejected each time, and her efforts to punish businesses operating in an unsafe manner or punish event organizers violating safety regulations were ignored. In a fiery letter of resignation, St. James Robinson said county leaders were driven by, quote, ideological biases and that their inaction had, quote, increased public health risk and demonstrated a clear lack of support for the county health department. When asked by the Beacon on Saturday whether or not she thought her resignation would spur any change in the position of county commissioners or board of health members, her response was a quick and succinct no. In other news, a lawsuit against Whitefish Care and Rehabilitation, a long-term care facility that was the site of a deadly COVID-19 outbreak earlier this fall, has grown to include additional claims, including conspiracy. Thirteen Whitefish Care and Rehab residents died after a widespread COVID outbreak in August and September, and the families of six of those victims are among the plaintiffs in the lawsuit, which was first filed in Flathead County District Court in October. The new allegations claim that the Whitefish facility's inadequate response to the outbreak was just part of a multi-state network of for-profit facilities that sought to enrich corporate owners at the expense of residents. The corporate entities the suit claims were or are doing business under some variation of the name Sweetwater Care. And finally, a whitefish hockey prodigy picked in the first round of this year's NHL draft has been named to the preliminary roster for the U.S. national junior team. Jake Sanderson, the son of longtime NHL winger Jeff Sanderson, is one of 29 prospects who will attend a training camp in Michigan later this month, with a final roster of 25 traveling to the World Junior Championships in Edmonton. 
Sanderson was drafted fifth overall by the Ottawa Senators in October and has a chance to become the first Montana native ever to play in the NHL. A defenseman, Sanderson is currently a freshman at the University of North Dakota and will make his college debut sometime after the World Juniors. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can read more about these stories and more at flatheadbeacon.com. And did you know you can also get the beacon delivered to your inbox every weekday? Sign up now for our free newsletter, The Daily Roundup, at flatheadbeacon.com newsletter. Until next week, thanks for listening.